0: We've been preaching on Sunday night about the crucified one. And uh, I've really enjoyed looking at the cross and focusing on what happened at the cross where Jesus bled and died. And uh, I'm grateful for the folks that were saved during the tent revival, people that were led closer to the Lord. Amen. And I I have gotten closer to many of you through all the tent revival. It's just been a blessing. Jimmy, you're an incredible guy. I appreciate you, buddy. Amen. I never thought I would like a guy that just fiddles around all the time, but he pretty good. Amen. Praise God. I want you to open up your Bibles with me, please, to the 23rd chapter of St. Luke. 23rd chapter of St. Luke. And um What a blessing it is to get together and look at the cross and what transpired there. We're going to begin reading with verse 35. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Verse 35. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if he be the Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, Hebrew, this is the king of the Jews. Well, I want to say he's king of the world, king of kings and lord of lords. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we have received the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Amen. I want to use for a subject, what do you see hanging on the cross? What do you see hanging on the cross? That's a very weighty question, and we're going to answer that tonight, and uh, let the Lord speak to our hearts. You may be seated. If you would, turn me up a little bit on the monitors tonight. Appreciate it, if you would. I um, The Bible is very clear that when they crucified Jesus Christ, it gathered a large crowd. I don't understand why it is, but people will gather where there's tragedy. People will gather where, you know, the great uh, colosseums where they butchered Christians and burned them and fed them to wild beasts. There was something about some type of, of attraction to evil. And the Bible teaches us that when Jesus was crucified, there was a gathering. In fact, it was a gathering probably thousands because it was at Passover time. Perhaps millions of people were gathered in that holy city, Jerusalem, and just outside the city, Jesus Christ is lifted between heaven and earth as the supreme ultimate sacrifice for the sins of the world, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And so one of the things you'll notice as you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is that it makes a pretty big deal about when they took him to the cross, there they watched him. They looked at him die on the cross of Calvary. And uh, I do believe that it's not by accident that it says in verse 35, which we read a moment ago, that the people stood beholding Now, in other places, it said they sat down and watched him die. But here they stood beholding this gruesome sight. And there they stood. What were they doing? They were cheering. They were standing to their feet with excitement, like they were in a big sports stadium, standing to their feet with excitement, that this man, Jesus Christ and two other thieves, were being crucified the people stood beholding the rulers also them deriding him saying he saved others let him save himself if he be Christ the chosen of God now i'm going to share with you some things tonight that we need to see in order to understand how we should appreciate Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary The Roman soldiers made it not only shameful, but painful. It was a hideous sight. And God chose the Father, God chose this form of crucifixion, of sacrifice, to take away the sin of the world. The Father chose that. So we need to understand that the Father so loved the world that the Father gave his only begotten Son, that the Father gave his Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, we think John 3.16 is about the Son. No, it's about the Father. The Father. Now the Son is in the middle of it. It's 25 words. The first 12 words is talking about um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. And then it, you have that middle word, son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 12 words at the front, 12 words at the back, son in the middle. And God so loved the world that he gave his son and was crucified on the cross of Calvary so that you and I could go to heaven. The people... I'm going, to begin, I'm going to share with you the outline, then we'll get into the preaching. First of all, the people saw, a, you know, what do you see hanging on the cross? We find here in verse 35 through 38, the people saw a pitiful man hanging on the cross. They just saw a pitiful man hanging on the cross. Notice it says that they saw him and they said, he saved others, himself he cannot save. The soldiers mocked him, and the soldiers came and offered him vinegar to kind of take away the pain or the edge of the pain, and they cried and said, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. This Christ that raised the dead, this sovereign Jesus Christ that cleansed the leper, this wonderful son of God that loved everyone he came in contact with. This precious Lamb of God that came into the world to bring hope to planet Earth. Thank God he brought hope to planet Earth. Thank God it needs some more hope. Amen. We need him to come back again. Hello. He came the first time and brought hope to planet Earth. And we need him to come back a second time and bring some more hope with him. And some power with him. Amen. But I want to begin by saying the people saw him as a pitiful man hanging on the cross, a pathetic, pitiful person that had been spit upon, ridiculed, and they looked at him as one powerless. He saved others. Himself, he cannot save. That's true because he can't save us if he saved himself. That's true. He can't come down from the cross and save himself and still save us. The finished job had to be done, and Jesus had to cry, it is finished in order for us to have forgiveness of our sin. But the people looked at Jesus as a pitiful man hanging on the cross, beaten, butchered, bloodletting. This man that walked on water, this man that raised Lazarus from the grave, this man that turned water into wine, this man that could do mighty miracles and multiply the bread and the the fish, this mighty Savior that would not come to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. All his great miracles, they come and they take him, and now it's time for him to be on the cross, but he's not powerless. Get it out of your head that Jesus was a victim. He's a sacrifice. Jesus was not a victim on the cross, he was a supreme sacrifice of his Father for the sins of the world. He was not a victim. But the people that stood around saw him as a victim. They saw a pitiful man beaten beyond recognition. He had been sped upon. He had been crowned of thorns put on his head. They had pulled out pieces of his beard. They had scourged him to almost the point of death. Nailed, nails in his hand and his feet. Erected him between heaven and earth as a, as a sacrifice they didn't realize they were sacrificing the Son of God. They thought they were just killing him. They thought they were just getting rid of him. How do you know how many of you know you can't get rid of life? You can't get rid of the Son of God. You can't get rid of the Lamb of God. He will victor. He will rise again from the grave. He will win. And when he was on that cross, people saw him as a pitiful man, but he wasn't a pitiful man. He was there by love. He was there by strength. He was there to do God's work. He was there laying his life down for the sins of the world. He had it all in the palm of his hands. It was all in control. Amen. He controlled his death. He controlled that. Jesus Christ said himself in the 10th chapter of St. John, I I live and, and I'll lay down my life, but no man can take my life from me. I'll lay it down in my own choosing. And when I lay it down, I'll get back up. I have the power to lay my life down. I have the power to raise my life up again. But there's people today... That see Jesus as just a pitiful victim of history. There's people today that see Jesus a great teacher, Jesus a great man, but they don't see him as a victor on the cross of Calvary. It's kind of a mystery to the world. They don't understand it. Until until the cross of Calvary is revealed to you in your heart by the Father, it'll always be a mystery. Except you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. The mystery will be there forever unless God blows his wind of conviction over your soul and you see Jesus for who he is. There he was on that cross and the world, the, the leaders, uh, the people beholded him standing cheering. Verse 35, he saved others himself he cannot save if he be the Christ, the chosen of God? They said he needs to save himself. And the soldiers also mocked coming to him and offering him vinegar. P- poor thing, we gotta give him a little bit of vinegar. Kinda ease his pain. Did you know when they offered him the vinegar, he refused it? He said, no, no, no. I'm going out of this world with my mind Intact and sensitive to the needs and the hearts of people's lives. I am not going to go out of this world drugged down. I'm going to know what I'm doing. And I'm going to keep my senses and keep my love and keep my posture. Loving the Lord and honoring God and offering my life as a ransom. They mocked him, offered him vinegar, poor thing. And said, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. They even put a sign around above the cross. In fact, they probably had it around his neck when he carried the beam. And said, this is the king of the Jews. And they wrote it in three languages. They wrote it in Hebrew and Latin and Greek. The Bible says that it was, um, well, when it says Hebrew, it's probably Aramaic. This is the king of the Jews. Yes, it is. They thought that they were mocking him. They thought that they were criticizing him. But the father said, No, the only thing I'm gonna have you you see, they put the crime around their neck. They made him carry their crime to their execution. If they were insurrection, if they were murder, if they were a thief, they carried it to but Jesus didn't carry a sign that says, I'm a thief. He didn't carry a sign that says, I murdered someone or insurrection. Pilate says, he's going to go up on that mount as king of the Jews. And they tried to change it. And Pilate said, I'm not changing it. He finally got up enough courage to say, I'm not changing what I wrote. What I've written is written. He doesn't realize it wasn't he that wrote it. It was the father that wrote it. The father wanted to put a sign above his son king of the Jews but he wanted to put it in three languages because he wanted to tell everybody he's not just king of the Jews he's king of the whole world Greek and Latin isn't that good wow and they saw a pitiful man hanging on the cross and they said if you're powerful come down It railed upon him, but he wasn't a pitiful man hanging on the cross. He was the supreme specimen, the Lamb of God, the sovereign God of the universe, and he was the most powerful entity in all the creation because he is the creator. He was on that cross. He said, what I do on this stick, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to take this stick and beat the devil with it. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He took that stick and beat the devil with it. They mocked him. They made fun of him. And there's people today that feel the same way. What difference does it make? He's dead and gone. No, he's not dead and he's not gone. He was dead, but he's not dead now. And he's gone as far as you know, you think of him going to return. But don't let him being gone fool you. He's coming back. Amen? I was telling a guy one time, I said, you know, the Lord watches and hears everything you, he, he watches everything you do, he hears everything you say, he knows your thoughts. He seen me a day later and he said, man, you creep me out. And I said, what do you mean I creep you out? He said, you told me that God hears everything I'm thinking God sees me everything I do, everywhere I go. And he said, I can't get that out of my head. He said, I see eyes looking at me everywhere. He said, you have creeped me out. Hello. I mean, the world needs to be creeped out. Because his eyes are beholding the evil and the good. But so he was not a victim. He's a victor. Not only did the people see Jesus as a pitiful man hanging on the cross, the soldiers did as well, but one thief saw an unfair situation as he himself was hanging on his cross. One thief saw on the cross an unfair situation as he was hanging on his cross. Look at verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. See, he was not thinking about Jesus. He was thinking about, I don't really need to be here. I want off of this cross. And he's, he's telling Jesus, well, if you are what you say you are, if you are what other people say you are, then get us out of this mess we're in. Save yourself and us. You see this, I don't know what this man done. He was probably insurrection or maybe a, a thief. Might have been a murder, I don't know. But have you, ever, have you ever noticed even the worst of sinners think they're not the worst? I may be, you know, I may be bad, bad, but I'm not bad, bad, bad. (laughs) Hello. And no doubt this, this thief on the cross is angry at Jesus. He's angry because he's hanging on the cross. He's angry because he's hanging on his own cross. His body's full of pain. His mind is full of confusion. He's angry at the world. He's angry at the Romans. He's angry at the crowd. He's angry at Jesus because he knows he's heard of Jesus. He heard that Jesus raised the dead. Surely a man that can raise the dead can get me off of this torture stick. And so what he saw hanging on the cross was himself. And what he saw... He was a thief that saw an unfair situation. There's a lot of people in the world today that thinks their situation is just unfair. Hello? Well, it's just unfair. It's unfair that I'm not a millionaire. It's unfair that I'm not prettier. It's unfair that I don't have more things. It's unfair that I don't have a bigger house. It's unfair that, that, uh, you know, I got... You know, I've been sick. It's unfair that I got arthritis. It's unfair that I've got heart trouble. It's unfair that I'm struggling. It's unfair that I'm going through a hard time. It's unfair that I'm going through storms. It's unfair, 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 unfair. Stop it. Stop it. Listen to me. That thief says, I want out of my situation, and Jesus, it's your fault if you don't get us off this. But it wasn't Jesus' fault. He was there on that cross because he did something wrong. And Jesus was on his cross because we did something wrong. Amen. And so the thief says, I've got an unfair situation. And he tells tells Jesus, Well, why don't you save yourself and us too? There in verse 39. So we have the people that saw a pitiful man hanging on the cross. They saw Jesus as just pitiful, poor Jesus. But he's really the victor of all creation. He's not a victim. He's a victor. His life wasn't taken from him. He gave his life. He wasn't killed, he's life. You can't kill life. But life laid down so that you and I could enjoy the benefits of being buried with him and raised with him in resurrection. One day saw his his situation unfair. And as long as a person sees his situation unfair, he, he or she is so self-centered, they'll never be saved. As long as you walk around saying, it's unfair, it's just unfair, oh, I'm having a hard time. And please hear me. I love preachers and I love churches. But it isn't the psychologist stuff that we need to be hearing from the pulpit, It isn't this stuff. Well, hang on. You know, you got it in you. You'll be awesome and you'll be wonderful. Hang on to the storm. It'll get better. Listen, I know it'll get better, but it only gets better when you fasten your eyes on Jesus Christ. If you come to Jesus because you're going through a divorce, you know, I pity you that you're going through a divorce. But if you come to Jesus because you're having that difficulty financially, and I'm sorry that you're having it hard physically, uh, financially, if you come to Jesus because you're going through a storm and you're crying out, it's unfair, life's unfair, you're gonna get up from the altar, You may feel a little better because you've shed a little moisture out of your eyes, but you have not received the forgiveness of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's not sympathy you need. It's crucifixion and resurrection through the blood and the death and power of Jesus Christ. If you come to Jesus because you're having a hard time, well, boo-hoo on you. We're all having a hard time. You come to Jesus because you're a sinner and you're going to split hell wide open and God loved you and died on the cross so that you can go to heaven. That's why you come. I come I have no confidence in people that come to Jesus because they're going through a divorce. I have no confidence in people that come to Jesus because they're going through a hard time in their life. But I've got all the confidence in the world when people come to the altar and say, I'm in this mess because of me. And I'm a sinner. And I need forgiveness. And God loves me. And if God never puts my marriage back together again, it doesn't matter. I'm a sinner and I need Jesus Christ. If God never gives me another dime, it doesn't matter. I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness and the blood of Jesus Christ. If God doesn't do another thing for me, if God doesn't get me out of my problem, if God doesn't lift me up, if God doesn't do things my way and have it my way, it doesn't matter. I'm going God's way. He so loved the world that my father gave his son so that I can have eternal life. See, you you gotta get your priorities right. And that one on the cross said, save us. He felt like he was in an unfair situation. Then there's the other thief. And we're preaching about what do you see hanging on the cross? Well, the people around the cross saw a pitiful man hanging on the cross. They saw someone being tortured and dying. Leaders. Leaders seen someone torture and die. The other one was a thief that saw an unfair situation. He didn't see Jesus on the cross. He saw him on it. He wanted Jesus to get him off. An unfair situation. Get me off of this problem I'm going through. Get me off of this pinch I'm in. Get me me out of this jail. Get me out of this, this prison. Get me out of this problem. Listen to me. You better hold hands with Jesus Christ and I, and say in your heart, if Jesus, you go down, I'm going down with you. Jesus, you die, I'm going to die with you. Jesus, you go to the tomb, I'm going to go to the tomb with you. And Jesus, when you get up, I'm going to enjoy the glory and the resurrection of the Son of God. Quit trying to get God Quit trying to manipulate God into doing something for you. Why don't you come to Jesus Christ and understand that God did something for you and it isn't just getting you out of scrapes? Okay, here we go. One day says it, it, this is an unfair situation. What do you see? Hanging on the cross. Some people saw a pitiful man dying making fun of him, being attracted. There's a, there's a, there's a hideous attraction to evil. One thief is, feels he's unfair. Jesus ought to come down from the cross and save him. But the other thief, what did he see hanging on the cross? The other thief said, I see the king of glory. The other thief says, I see the king of glory. Look at verse 40 through 43. And the other answering rebuked him, that's the other thief saying, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly for what what we've received, the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, there it is, Lord. There it is, Lord. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Kingdom. There's no such thing as a kingdom without a king. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Isn't that good? One thief saw the King of Glory hanging on the cross. Yeah. And he says to the other thief, Don't you fear God? I'd like to ask America that if I could have an opportunity. Yeah. Does not thou fear God? Don't don't you fear the coming judgment, the looming the looming judgment, the ominous judgment of God that's coming? Don't you fear? One of these days, you'll fold your hands in death. God will fold your hands in death. You ever wonder why the undertaker gets your hands like this? The undertaker, I'm talking about in a casket, he puts your hands like this. You got it like that. And that's what it means when you fold your hands in death. God will fold your hands in death. Your hands will become idle, no longer moving. Does not thou fear God beyond the casket? Does not thou fear God according to what these scriptures say? Does not thou fear God? The wages of sin is death. Does not thou fear God? The soul that sinneth shall die. Does not thou fear God? You must be born again. Does not thou fear God? For the dead and great, great will stand before the great white throne judgment and give an account for their sins. Does not thou fear God? Jesus Christ is coming. And when he comes, he's coming for his church, but he's coming with his church and judge the world. And that thief said to the other thief I'm going to paraphrase here. You're an idiot. Because we're both hanging here because of our own doings. Amen. I guess if you're about to die, you can say what you want to say. Does not now fear God? We're in the same condemnation. We're both going to the grave. And then he turns to Jesus. He said, You know what I see? I see a holy man. You know what I see? I see a Messiah. You know what I see? I see a son of God, the son of God. You know what I see? I see a king. You know what I see? I see a Lord. You know what? I heard him say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I heard him on the cross speak with his majestic voice unto his father. He said, I know he's Lord. And I know he's king. And when he leaves here, he's going to his kingdom. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Woo! Now, how many in this room would say, just like the thief, Lord, do it with me. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Oh, that just feels so good. Amen? Amen. Because we serve a king. He's king of kings and lord of lords. We serve a victor over death held in the grave. He's not just king over heaven. He's king over the universe. And he's not just king over the universe. He's king over death held in the grave. He's king. He's lord over death held in the grave. The first chapter of Revelation says, Behold, I am he that liveth. Jesus Christ said, Behold, I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I hold the keys to death and hell. Yeah. Yeah. He's Lord. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. And the thief turns to him and says, You know, I may close my eyes in death. And the thief may be saying, You know what? I may go out of here in death, but I'm going with you, Jesus. Amen? And Jesus died first. Well, why did he die first? Because he wasn't going to let them two other guys die as long as he's hanging there. Do you really think Jesus is going to let someone die around him? So he just dies himself, yields himself to the death, yields and succumbs to death, lays his life down, He did that so he could die, (laughs) and so the two other thieves could die too, because they couldn't die as long as he was alive, because he wasn't going to let them die, because he's sovereign God. It's against his character for the ship to go down when Jesus is on boat. It's against his character for his friend to be in a tomb when Jesus is Lord over the grave. And so Jesus lays his life down. He doesn't have it taken from him. He lays it down. (laughs) And when he lays his life down, he says to the thief on the cross that says, Lord, remember me. Yeah, buddy. You're coming right behind me. Amen? You're coming right behind me. You're coming on. And the thief died. Jesus was already gone, waiting for the Messiah to greet him in paradise. Amen? Amen? I'd love to heard the testimony that the thief said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into the kingdom. I'd love to heard his testimony when he descended into the lower parts of the earth, Abraham's bosom, paradise. And he says to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, King David and all the others of the Old Testament, he says to them, yeah, boy, I just saw him on the cross. I just talked to him. I asked him to remember me. And he did because angels brought me here. Get ready. The king of glory is coming through. Who is the king of glory? Mighty and strong is the king of glory. Amen. Amen. If I had a horn, I'd toot it. I ain't like jars. I can just come up with my own little noises. (laughs) So the thief saw the king in glory. Lord, remember me when thou comest into the kingdom. And Jesus Christ said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Isn't that beautiful? And then they came to break the legs so the thieves would die. But they come to Jesus and he's already gone. They don't break his bones because it's said in the scripture his bones would not be broken. (laughs) And the one that cursed Jesus when they broke his legs, he cursed some more. And he died in convulsions and great horrific death. But the other one that said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom... He just said to the Roman soldiers, just snap on. I'm going where Jesus went. Isn't that good? So I don't believe that. Well, you've got some other problems with your believer, too. But anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna wrap this up. What do you see hanging on the cross? People saw a pitiful man, the leaders the Roman soldiers. One thief saw an unfair situation, his own demise, his own cross. The other thief saw a king of glory, Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Let me tell you what I see hanging on the cross. This is what I see hanging on the cross. Numbers 21, verse 4 through 9. The children of Israel are coming out from Egypt bondage. They've come to Mount Hor and to the land of Edom. They got discouraged and angry and displeased, and they began to murmur and complain. And God says, okay, have it your way. They were discouraged because of their way. Because they couldn't have it their way, they were discouraged because of the way. And God sent fiery serpents into the land to bite them. And they were dying because they were bitten by the poison of snakes. And finally, after about 100 or 200 of them dropped dead, they said, We better talk to Moses. We better ask Moses to talk to God. Moses said, Take the serpents away. God said, I'm not taking them away. I'm going to leave them right there in those den of snakes. Not removing the snakes. They're going to be right there in a world full of the pus field of sin and iniquity. But Moses, take a brass serpent and put it upon a pole. And when someone is bitten by these poison snakes, he that looks upon that brass serpent on the pole, as long as he looks, he'll live. Look and live. I said, look and live. And I want you to know, Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And these are the words Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For the Father, God, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. You know what I see hanging on the cross? I see my hope, I see my forgiveness. You know what I see hanging on the cross? I see my love, my Savior, my Creator, my Redeemer, my my majestic, powerful God. You know what I see hanging on the cross? I see if I'll focus on the cross. Him that's on the cross, Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Once you get a glimpse of Jesus and you truly get born again, Brother Jimmy, when someone truly gets born again, and once they get their eyes on that Jesus high and lifted up on the cross, they're transformed. And that pontifical presence of Jesus Christ moves upon them, and they'll never be able to take their eyes off of Jesus again. When the storm comes, eyes back on Jesus. When the trouble hits, eyes back on Jesus. When the persecution comes, eyes back on Jesus. You know what I see on that cross? I see the savior of the world. I see the gift of God the Father for the sins of the world. I see my salvation. I see my heaven. I see my future. I see Jesus Christ taking my hell, my death, my condemnation, my sin, took my tomb, took my cross, took my death, took my shame, took my suffering and took it and nailed it to a tree and died on the cross of Calvary and in him I live and move and have my being because Jesus took me through the death of the cross of calvary into the tomb and now i'm risen with christ because he raised again from the grave man i tell you what that ought to get you to whistle don't get you excited amen one more place and i'll be done I know I'm preaching a little longer than normal, but you guys sung too long. <laughs> Jimmy says, we cut the music short. Stay out of my preaching. <laughs> Hebrews twelve two. Looking under Jesus. The author and finisher of my faith, our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And now he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I just keep looking. I I live a life of looking. I live a life of looking. I live a life of looking in this book. I I live a life of looking up into heaven, expecting His return in the moment. I live a life of looking at the cross where Jesus bled and died. I live a life of looking at the empty tomb. He lives. He's the resurrected Son of God. I live a life of seeing Him the personification of God for God was in Christ reconciling the world into himself I see God on that cross I see Jesus the son of God on that cross and I see him go to the tomb and bust the grave wide open and because he lives I shall live also and one day he'll return and when he returns we're going home What I see on that cross, I see my only way off of planet Earth alive. What I see on that cross, I see God's gift for me. And not only do I see him on the cross, but I see that he was taken down and put in a tomb. And I just keep looking. I just keep looking. I spend a life of looking. Amen? Because my eyes are fastened on he that was lifted up as Moses lifted up the brass serpent in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. And Nicodemus, I have no doubt in my mind, he said, oh, that's what that means. Yes, sir, Nick, that's exactly what that means. Isn't that good? Woo, praise the Lord. The crucified one. And while the world wants to say he's just history, I want to say no, 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 no. He's not just history. He holds the past, present, and future in his hand. Oh, no, 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 no. He did not begin in Bethlehem of Judea. As a human being, he began in Bethlehem of Judea. But he is the personification of God for he ever lived. Jesus Christ did not begin in Bethlehem. He has always been. He is the eternal, everlasting Son of God. The Bible says that God is the everlasting father. Well, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you can't be a father if you don't have a child. So the father has a son. He's the everlasting father. Now we have the everlasting son, which has an everlasting father. Which has everlasting life, and he gives it to us. I refuse to die. I refuse to die. I pass from death unto, unto life. I pass from death unto life. I refuse to die. All the body may go to sleep, but I refuse to die. Amen? Amen. Hello? Hello? Amen. If I were to close my eyes in death and you find a feather back behind, that ain't an angel feather. It didn't fall off an angel. Things are not falling off angels. Things fall off your Ford and your Chevy, but not off of angels. Amen? So the thing that bid us, the sin that condemns us, Jesus took it and put it in that cross. And all the poison in our life, he took the serpent. He took the form of you and I, like the brass serpent was the form of what was biting the people. Jesus Christ took our problem. you're not ready for this. He became us. Right. That's right. Yeah. Because the only way to take care of us, you got to die. And so Jesus takes us and dies for us in our likeness as a servant. And he dies for us so that in Christ we die with him and we raise again from the dead. Oh, did I tell you? I don't think I told you. We're going to have a water baptism down at Finley River right after Sunday morning service. Right after Sunday morning service, we're going to go down to Finley River, the city park, and we're going to have a water baptism. Some of the folks hit me up that was at the tent revival and others that wasn't at the tent revival, and we're going to have a water baptism. Amen? I'm looking forward to the water. Amen. I remember one time we did a baptism down there and somebody had the gall to go catch a bunch of catfish somewhere else. I think they even got some spoonbill and they cut them and left the slick stuff in the water. And I stepped in it. Yeah, slipping and a sliding. And I said to myself, I didn't say it out loud. I said to myself, I'm glad I'm not going under the water in this nasty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. Sam, we're giving give an invitation. Hope you enjoyed tonight. Hope you enjoyed tonight. I hope you've seen some things. I hope you focused. We need to spend a life of looking. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. Looking unto Jesus, the forgiveness. Looking unto Jesus, our hope. Looking unto Jesus, our life. Looking unto Jesus, our future. Looking unto Jesus, our heaven. Looking unto Jesus, our faith and trust in him. Looking unto Jesus, he started it, he's going to finish it. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. He started, he's got to finish it. Amen. And some of you, I'm glad that God started. And boy, you need to be finished. Yeah. Praise God. Amen. In fact, you need to be finished so well that the angels will say, well done. And the Father will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Amen? Hallelujah. We want to invite you. Maybe you just want to praise the Lord. Maybe tonight you you may just want to thank Him for what He did on the cross. Thank Him for all that He's done for you. Maybe you'd like to do that tonight.